What's good, y'all? You're about to hear a sermon from Han Vision Church in Lawrenceville, Georgia, delivered by Joe Song from our study on the gospel according to Matthew. Thanks for listening to Han Vision. Have your Bibles if you guys can open up to Matthew chapter 22, uh, verses 38 through 40. Daniel Parks is going to put these verses up for us, and I will read 38, verse 38 to, to 40. And this is Jesus. Uh, if you notice, this is the end of uh, what we uh, of what we talked about last week, but we didn't get to it. So Jesus says, and this, this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the laws and the prophets. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I pray that God, you will speak to us like, like we prayed earlier, that your will will be done. Not our will, but your will, God. I pray that your will will be done through uh, the hearing of your word that we won't just hear it, but that it will, that something will be done through it, that your will will be manifest through our obedience as we hear your word and as we experience who you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So Jesus is this, uh, it starts out with verse 38, which says, this is the great and first commandment. Last week, we talked the entire time about what this first and great commandment is. And everyone, what is it? The it's ready, go. Oh, wait, you're muted. Okay. Well, it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, right? And what we talked about is how those three phrases in the original Hebrew basically covers every part of who you are, every aspect of your being and your life uh, and your spirit, everything, your body, physically, mentally, um, materialistically, every part of who you are is covered by that. And, um, and that is the first and greatest commandment. And so like, before we can even move on to the second one, I just got to dwell on this for just a couple more minutes. If you guys can, like, when you hear that first commandment, like you have to realize, like, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. This is the highest priority of humanity. Like it's our number one directive of your life, of your life. This is God telling you what God wants from you right now and forever for all of eternity, right? Because Jesus is God and he's telling you what God, his father wants from you and me. This is it. Like if you ever wonder like, what is God's like will for my life? What does he want me to do right now? It's always, always going to be this. Are you loving the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your body, with all that you have? Like, are you... Are you using all of your energy and your time and your thoughts? Does that go into how can I love God? How can I obey his commandments better? Are you using your body and your resources? Like, are you doing this? Is your mind devoted to this one primary task of loving God, knowing him, growing in your relationship with him, learning more about him? Are you using your energy, your intellect, your time studying and obeying his commandments out of love and obedience for him, right? Are you filling your brain with the things of God or are you, are you filling your brain with things that are opposed to him? Do you use your body to serve him or to honor and to honor him? If the, and here's the, so here's the thing. If this is not your goal, if this is not your aim, if this isn't your, your constant struggle, 
if, if there's no movement towards this very first commandment that you hear, like when you hear love the Lord, your God with all your heart and like, and your heart doesn't long for it and you don't want it. And like, you're not fighting to get here. Then I'm going to be really honest with you today. And if like you hear this first commandment and nothing happens, nothing is going on in your heart. You're not pulled towards it. Then you might not be gods at all. Like the reason why you have no desire for the greatest commandment of Jesus is it, it, it might be because you do not belong to Jesus. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 to 27. Uh, this is what God promises will happen to his new covenant people. These are Christians. What will happen to the, the people that are coming, his true believers. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit and I'll put within you uh, I will res remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And listen to this. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to be careful to obey my rules. This is what happens to people who are truly in the new covenant with God. God will literally give you a new heart, a heart that wants to, that desires to, that fights to obey and delights in the commandments of God. And then if you disobey his commandments, his spirit within you will, will discipline you and will convict you and cause you. It says, I will cause you to walk in my statutes. Does that make sense? Like if you sin, like the spirit of God in you will like discipline you and like you will start to feel all this like shame and guilt or something will happen where God will bring you back because you belong to him and you have a new heart. John chapter 14, verse 15, it says, if you love me, <clears throat> you will keep my commandments. You see, like if you truly love God, you truly believe him, then this is what you will do. You will keep his commandments. You're, when you hear his commandments, you will want to obey them like your life you will do whatever it takes to get yourself there john chapter 10 verse 27 says my sheep hear my voice and i know them and and this is what they do they follow me if you hear the voice of jesus if you hear his commandments right and the commandment of jesus he's saying to us is love the lord your god with all your heart and if nothing inside of you is compelled to like Conform your life to whatever he says, conform your mind and your heart to the commandments of Jesus, then you do not belong to him. You are not one of his sheep because you do not recognize his voice and you do not want to follow his voice. And so if that's you today, right, if you have been hearing the commandments of Jesus and you realize like there's nothing in you that wants to do them and like you're okay with that. And like, you've just been sitting there, then you are not saved. Like that, that's, you are not a follower of Jesus. If you're not compelled to obey his commandments, Romans chapter 10, verse 13, he says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if that's you, if you do not, that you hear his commandments and like, you don't want to change nothing like in you is compelled to change, then you need to repent of your sinful, godless life and believe in the Lord Jesus and call upon your name. It doesn't matter how sinful you are. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter if you're tripping on acid. If you call upon the name of the Lord and you are ready to repent of your sins, then it says he will save you. 
and he will give you a new heart. He'll give you a new spirit. Acts chapter 16, verse 31, it says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You know that word believe? It's, it's, a, it's a present uh, tense participle. Like, so what that means, it's, a, it's an ING word. It's an ongoing reality. People who are saved are believing, always believing. It's not a one-time thing. It's, a, it's not a one-time you believe that one day and you said the prayer and you believe that one time. It's an ongoing, always believing sort of thing. Do you guys know what I'm saying? So if you are a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's not a one-time decision that you made, but you are constantly believing and it's an everyday decision and everything will be different forever from now on sort of decision this is a die to yourself pick up your cross surrender every morning dependent on every moment sort of decision and that is what it means to be saved and those are the people who hear the commandments of jesus and they will fight their bodies fight themselves, fight their flesh, do whatever it has they have to do to obey and to get themselves to conform to his will and his desires. A real Christian is not loving God perfectly, but when they hear the commandment to love God with everything, then they, they will do whatever it takes to start loving God more. That's what, that's what a, a Christian does. And that's not very many people. That's why it says like, what does it say? It says like the, the way is narrow, right? Uh, in Matthew 7, 14, the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. Guys, true believers, when you hear the commandments of Jesus, especially when you hear the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, body, and then you, you realize you're not doing that, then if you are a believer today, you will do what it takes to make that change today. And so like before we even talk about love your neighbor, if you're not loving God today and you don't want to and nothing in you wants to, then you need to be saved. And if you hear the great commandment today and you realize you're not loving him with everything, but you, and you realize that and you're filled with shame, then there is hope for you. Then you need to ask God, your will be done. Show me my sin. Help me to hunger for righteousness. Everything that Daniel asked you to pray, pray that. Again, pray it on your own and ask the Lord. And he will do that. He will give you a new heart. And he will give you a new spirit. And his spirit will cause you to start to walk in his ways. And so that's number one. And if this happens, if you truly are, if we really are loving God with all that we have, then this will be the result then love your neighbor as yourself. The, the first commandment and the second greatest commandment are always linked together. You can't just love God without loving your neighbor, because, but, you can't, you, but you have to start with God and that leads to loving your neighbor. And so now let's, talk, now, let's say now you, you, you're loving God with all your heart. Now, what does loving your neighbor as yourself look like? Okay, uh, like we, let's start with the word love. Like we said last week, the biblical idea of love is not an emotion. Like our world talks, we always think love is an emotion. And that's why we get so confused. Like, I don't feel like I love God. But the love, your neighbor, is not an emotion. It's rooted in action, right? Let's look at the biblical, like the way that the Bible uses the word love. John 3, 16. Everyone knows this first. For God so loved the world that he 
gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Look, it says, for God so loved the world, he had very strong feelings for you. Is that what it says? No, he loved the world and therefore he expressed that love through action, sacrificial action. He gave his son for us. That's how we know God actually loves us. Not because he just felt strong emotions towards us or he told us like words. He actually showed us his love with the sacrifice of his only son for you and me. For anyone in the room or in the Zoom, anyone in the Zoom who thinks this morning that you are not loved, don't believe words. Look at the cross. That is the evidence of his love for you. It's something that he did. And now that same in the same way, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, so it's ironic, John 3.16 and 1 John 3.16 are like linked because 1 John 3.16 says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. 1 John 3.16, this is how we know love, that we, in the same way, it's not, to, this is how we know love, that we should feel strong feelings for one another, in 1 John 3, 16, it says, by this we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. The way we love our neighbors is not to conjure up strong feelings for each other. It's to lay down our lives. It's to actually do things that show love. Sacrificial action is the language of love in the Bible. Actions do speak louder than words. True love is a tangible reality. It's beyond emotions. Yes, sometimes, I mean, emotions are great, right? But we don't do loving things. Like oftentimes we don't do loving things because we don't feel loving feelings. But true Christians are not dictated by our feelings, but we're dictated by our faith. So we need to be led by faith. When your emotions line up, then great. But when they don't line up, then let your faith shine through and drive your actions. Amen. So the next question, so that's what love is. It's not a feeling like, it's, it's not like just feel feelings of love for your neighbor. Like that's like, we can't do that, but we can act sacrificially for those around us, even when we don't feel it. So who is my neighbor? That's the next and obvious question. When Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, then we're like, well, then who is my neighbor? Well, let's, without even going into the Greek, without going into the Hebrew, just very obviously your neighbor is your neighbor. Your neighbor are literally the, the people that are in your close proximity around you. The people that God has placed in your life that are near you. Those are your neighbors, right? Like God put people in your life. Like you might be a lonely person, but you still got human beings all around you. You might even, you might not like any of those human beings, but those are your neighbors. Okay. Like, but so let's start with the most obvious neighbors, the people that God has surrounded with you with, uh, family neighbors. All right. Did you know, you ever think of your family as your neighbors? These are the people that are literally closest to you physically, relationally, in every sense. These are your, your neighbors. You didn't choose them. You might not even like them. But they are the human beings that God has surrounded your life with and put you near. Your family is your neighbors. And for some of us, sadly, your greatest enemies might be in your family. The maybe the person you hate the most might be in your family. But guess what? Jesus says, these are the people we are to love. We're supposed to love our enemies. 
We're supposed to love our families. We're supposed to love our neighbors, not just when we feel like we love them, but because what God did for us, we act sacrificially and we love them. Let me give you a couple of examples. Ephesians chapter five, verse 25, it says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Our husbands, are you sacrificially loving your closest neighbor on planet earth, your wife? Or, or wives, are you loving your sacrificially, your husband, your closest earthly neighbor that God has given you, right? Matthew chapter uh, 19, uh, 19, 19, honor your father and your mother and love your neighbor as yourself. Guys, okay, some of you are like, but I'm not married. Well, guess what? All of us have fathers and mothers. Are you honoring these? And you didn't choose these neighbors. They didn't choose you, but there are neighbors. God put them into your life and you we cannot separate it. Are we honoring? Are you sacrificially giving your life, your time, your love to honor them? Are you loving your neighbor as yourself? Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. Can we put that up? It says, but if someone does not provide for his own, especially his own family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Guys, your own families your cousins, your aunts, the, the family members that God has given you, are you, are we providing for them? Whether that be through money or providing for them, like our time and our love, are you laying down your life for them? Are you laying down your pride, your attention? Maybe there is someone in your family that, that needs money, you know, and you have money, then give them some, <laughs> like give them some of your money. Like don't make it alone, just give it to them, right? Like, are we loving our most immediate neighbors, which is our own family members that God has given us? Two, the next group of neighbors is the next closest to us, which is our work neighbors, all right? People at your work or at school or whatever, the people that you, these are the people that God has placed in your life as the people who are next to you in proximity. Like family, most of you don't choose who you work with, right? Most of you don't like your coworkers or you don't like your bosses, but guess what? God has you there because these are your neighbors. Because at your job, this is where we spend most of our time, most of the best hours of our day is spent at our job. And guess what? God wants you, his will for you is to love him by loving these neighbors that God has put around you. So when you go to work, your main goal every day when you go is not money, career advancement, but it's to love your neighbors. Are you loving your coworkers? Do you care about them as humans? Are you sacrificing for them? Are you serving them? Do you support them? Do you listen to them? Do you treat them more than a coworker, but actually look at them as a fellow human being and as a friend? Or do you just go to work and make money and come home? Do you just go to school to get your education and come back? Or do you look at your teachers, look at your schoolmates, not as people you can use, but as people God has called you to love and to give your life and your heart and your attention to because God loves them so much? Are you drawing your coworkers and your schoolmates and are you drawing them into your life so that you can share your love for God for them, right? Look, uh, put up Colossians chapter three, verse 23. It says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that the Lord, uh, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. 
whenever we go to work, whenever we go to school, you are supposed to serve Christ. You're not there to serve money. You're there to serve God. And how do you serve God? You serve God by loving the people at your work, by loving the people at your school, by really loving them as yourself and not just using them for what you can get from them, which is how the world does it, right? And then finally, who's your neighbor? We said it's your family. It's the people that you work around. And then finally, you're, in, in Luke chapter 10, verse 30 to 31, Jesus takes this word neighbor, which normally just means whoever is near you, whoever is like you, whoever is near your life. And then he expands it even further with, the, with, the, with this parable. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. I'm not going to read the rest of the parable because we, most of us know this parable. This is the parable of the good Samaritan, right? And in this parable, a neighbor is not just the people in your circles, not just the people in your family. A neighbor is anyone that you come across that is hurting that has been wounded, that, is, that has been wronged, and that is in need of help. That's who your neighbor is. Anyone who God puts in your path, whether you're related to them or not, whether you know them or not, whether you have any affiliation with them or not, if they are in your path and they are brought to your attention and they're hurting or they've been hurt or they've been like wounded, we are to, you are to interrupt your plans and go and find out what the heck is wrong and what you can do to help. That is what we are called to do. That is what love, loving our neighbor looks like. And I think that's so pertinent to what's going on right now with all of the injustice that we are seeing front and center from all the news, all the social media, right? Like, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I was never much of like a, a warrior about racial injustice. I, I honestly didn't care very much about the oppression of the black people in our country. Um, one, I, I, and like, like when I see all the posts of what's going on, like it doesn't hit my heart because I don't have, like, I don't have a lot of black friends. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, that's a lie. I don't have any black friends. <laughs> Okay, I don't, my whole world is so Asian, so Christ, like Christian Asian people that I, like when I see a group, of pe a group of people hurting, right? Like I have no connection to that. And so like for the longest time, I feel like, I, I felt like I didn't have to deal with that. I always knew that, that black people in our country were oppressed and that they had it worse than, than, than everyone else but I didn't really care to be honest. And it was always in the periphery of my, of my, of my vision. But here's the thing. And I think that's, and I, I don't think I'm alone. Like when I talk to most Asian Americans, like that's how a lot of us feel. Right. And, but we can't say that anymore because it has been brought into the forefront of our attention this week over these last two weeks. 
Like, just like how a man who was just walking from Jerusalem to Jericho, he was just going back home from the temple. He had probably things to do. He probably had to go back to work or go back home to his job or go back home to his kids. And he was probably on his way home. And then it was unexpected. He wasn't looking for it. But then suddenly he sees there lying on the road, a man who has been, um, who has been robbed, who has been beaten, who, has, who is about to die, lying in pain. And he sees that, and it wasn't his plan to see it, but he sees it now because God put that pain right in front of his face where he can see it. And now he has a choice. Is he going to jump in there and do something, or is he going to turn? He's going to look away, ignore them, walk around, and go on with their life? Right? Like, I don't know. In the parable, the two Jewish men look at the man, and they, they do nothing. I mean, maybe they felt bad about it. They must have looked at this man who got beat and, and, and robbed and they were like, oh, that's so terrible. Oh, such injustice. Oh, there's so many evil people out there. I'm going to pray for this man as I walk around him and keep going. Maybe he prayed for him in his heart. You know what I'm saying? Maybe he, he, maybe he felt like, oh man, like, like, why should I help him? I didn't beat him. I didn't do, I didn't rob him. It wasn't me it's not my responsibility. I don't know this guy. I don't know any, he's not my friend, but that's kind of the same mentality that I was having. I would look at the black community and I would look at myself and I'd say, you know, I'm, I'm not racist. Like I don't hate black people, but then, so I'm okay. Right. I don't have to do anything about this. I'm not going to alter my course. I'm not going to change the way I live or the way that I think, I'm just going to keep going. Or we could do what a neighbor would do. Yeah, this Samaritan was on his way somewhere too. I'm sure he had somewhere to go. But then he stopped what he was doing, stopped where he was going. And he walked over to see what was wrong. And when he saw what was wrong, he saw a man who experienced injustice, who was beaten, who was abused, and he needed help. And this Samaritan did what he could do. He did what he was able to do. And he gave of himself his time, his money, his effort to love this man because he was a neighbor, because he was a fellow, not because he was a family member, not because he was a coworker, not, but because he was a, a fellow human being made in the image of God. Guys, when we as Christians, when we come across injustice and suffering and God brings that to our attention and we see someone in need or a group of people in need, we can't just walk away and ignore. We have to, we have to at least stop and go and, and look and see what's wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like we got to see what the problem is. And, and then we got to, if you don't know what it is, then, then we should learn why there's so much anger, why there's so much pain, why there's so much injustice right now to our fellow um, brothers and sisters, to our neighbors. And then we need to try to put ourselves in, in their shoes and listen and be humble. And then we need to confront the racism in our own hearts and ask God to change us. Because, you know, as Asian Americans, like, guys, we're, we're racist. 
our families are very racist. Like, it doesn't seem like they're racist because they hate everyone equally, it seems like, right? Like, but well, we are, and that's a problem with us. We can't just be like, well, we're not directly abusing people. But the thing is like, yeah, there's a lot of racism in our hearts. Like either you look down on other races or on one particular race, or you lift up one race above the others. That's all, that's not biblical. God made all of us in his image. And if we can't see one another with the image of God, that means we don't know God. And we need to check our hearts and be like, do I truly know the Lord? Do I truly love God with all my heart, soul, and mind? Because if I did, I would love my neighbor. I'm going to just say one more thing. Because there's, there's a lot with all this stuff going on. But I'm going to give you the greatest way. Because here's the thing. I don't know what, exactly what you're supposed to do. I'm still wrestling with what I'm supposed to do with all this stuff, but I need to do something. Like I need to learn about what's going on. I need to listen and I need to ask God to change my heart so I can care more. I don't know what to do yet exactly. Like, I don't know like how we're supposed to vote. I don't know what we're supposed to do. I don't know where I'm supposed to give, if, I'm, if or where I'm supposed to give money. Honestly, I don't know any of these things and I'm not gonna tell you what to do because I don't know myself. But here's one thing I absolutely know that we can do to love our neighbors in the greatest way. And here's the thing. He says to love your neighbor as yourself. And how would you want to be loved, right? Like, how do you want to be loved? For me, like, you know, I want people like, be my friend, be nice to me, treat me with respect, help me when I need stuff, right? That's, that's how I want to be loved. But here's the, the thing I want more than anything else in the world. More than anything else, I want someone to lead me to God. If I didn't know Jesus, in the end, nothing else matters if I don't know God, right? If I were headed to hell and I didn't know, I would want someone to care enough about me, love me enough to freaking tell me that I am going to hell. Like I would want someone to connect me to Jesus. I would want someone to disciple me, to teach me the truth of God so that I can know him and, and, and have eternal life. That is like, I don't know what you're supposed to do politically. I'm not sure exactly what we're supposed to do um, specifically, but I know what we need to do. The one thing that can change, not just this world, but everything is we need to share the gospel with our friends and our neighbors more desperately than ever before. We need, yeah, we need to serve and to sacrifice and listen and get educated and work towards like justice and change. And we can create the most fair earthly system in like on this planet, but none of that will even matter if people are not saved. And the thing is, I believe when people truly come to know God, then they will change the racism the like all this stuff. It's, it's the systems and the things that are all broken and so oppressive. It starts from the heart. Like we can change all these external things, but the racism will always be there. The hate will always be there. The greed will always be there. If people don't 
be transformed from the inside out unless God gives them a new heart and a new spirit. And then they start to look into the law of God and obey his statutes and love one another. Nothing will ever change unless people know Jesus. And that is if you're black, if you're white, if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're Asian, it, we all need him more than anything. And so guys, let's get serious about loving our neighbors. Let's get serious about loving our families with the love of God. Let's get serious with loving our coworkers. Stop just going to work and, and, you know, trying to be a nice person. Go to work and love people with the love of Jesus. Be friends with your coworkers and share God's love. Share your life with them. Share your love for God with them. And let's love a community of people that we don't know ourselves. We can never know the sufferings of the black community, but we can listen and we can humble ourselves and we can say, what can I do? I don't, I, I don't, maybe you feel like you can't do much, but you can start by asking and praying and seeking. And then at the end of the day, we need to connect people to Jesus with all that we have, because that is the greatest love that we can do by showing them the greatest love which is Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, teach us today to love our neighbors and may that love for our neighbors come as we come as a reflection of how much you loved us and as we love you, may that just naturally flow into us going and loving on our neighbors all around us. Give us boldness, give us courage to love fiercely humbly and to connect people thanks for listening to the Han Vision podcast we hope you were blessed join us next week on Han Vision